0: This is Baby Boomer Tales. I want to talk to you today about my mother. Her name is Maxine. She was born in a town 90 miles to the west of the town I grew up in, up in the northern Colorado mountains. She was born January 9th, 1926, since she is the oldest kid of Alvie and Alice. She had a younger sister named Betty, who is a year younger than her. A younger brother named Cliff, who is four years younger than her. A younger sister named Donna, who is six years younger than her. So here she was, a 10-year-old girl with two younger sisters and a younger brother. And they had a baby boy. His name was Verl. And so this was my mom's youngest brother at the time. And when Verl was 13 days old all of a sudden they realized that he was very very sick and my grandpa ran to town they lived outside of town to fetch the doctor and by the time the doctor made it back to my grandparents home baby Verl was dead. I didn't know this story until I started doing genealogy two or three years ago and I happened upon this newspaper article from that little town they lived in and it explained that and all of a sudden I got this picture in my heart how tragic and sad it could have been and I realized that my mother was 10 years old at the time and surely she helped with her brothers and sisters helped her mother watch them, feed them, take care of them especially with a new baby in the house and how traumatic to my 10-year-old mother and my nine-year-old Aunt Betty to have that happen. I had never heard this story. I knew that my grandparents had lost two children, but I didn't know there was a deal like this. A year later, they tried to have another child, and he must have been stillborn or died at birth or something, because in the records that I could find, He was born and died on the same day. I'm sure my mother had to carry that experience with her her entire life. Then a year after the second baby died, Grandma and Grandpa had a baby. They named Richard. That's my Uncle Dick. And then years and years later, 12 years later, I believe, they had my Aunt Connie, who was five months younger than me. That's another story in itself, and I mention Connie every once in a while. She is a great blessing to me when I was a kid growing up. She is kind of like a, a sister, and since I was so much older than my brother John, Connie filled that gap of having a, a brother or a sister that was close to you in age. Around 1940, when my mom was about 14 years old, they moved to the east to the town I grew up in, my mom wore glasses and I think she had to wear glasses at a young age. Sometime in her teenage years, she was at a baseball game and a baseball hit her in the glasses, broke her glasses, and the glass cut her eye. That was in the days before these high-tech glasses that that's not going to happen to. You might bust the frames, but you're not going to break those lenses and they're definitely not going to Break like a window. Mom always wore glasses. I only remember one time ever that she didn't wear her glasses. Somewhere along the line, in 1947, I believe, my mom met this guy that is just pretty new to town and she fell in love and married him. And that's my dad, Don. And they proceeded to build a life and a family and they had me in 1950 five months before my aunt Connie was born. Then my brother John was born in 1953, but we lived in California then. We moved back from California in time for my brother Don to be born up in the mountains in 1955. And then in 1958, my youngest sibling, my sister Janice was born. When we moved to California, I must have been one year old. And then we moved back before I started kindergarten in 1955 when we got back my parents built that house on the hill i believe we probably moved back from california because my mother was very family oriented where my dad i don't think was as family oriented and it meant a great deal to my mom to be around her mother and her sisters and her entire family growing up i remember my mom was always there Didn't matter what I was doing, where I was going, whatever. She was there to either participate or take me or cheer me on. It didn't matter if it was little league games or high school basketball games. I remember one of my fondest memories of mom hauling me around. is one summer when we learned to swim. She would take a car full of us kids up the road 10 miles to where the pool was. And we'd all sing at the top of our lungs. My favorite song, I believe, was My Eyes Have Seen the Glory of the Coming of the Lord. We'd sing that at the top of our lungs. Whole car us, kids and mom. We must have sang it every trip because it's ingrained in my brain. When I was 10 years old, I got angry at my parents. And I was going to run away. That was my first foray into thinking that I could leave home. And I was packing a bag and I would already threatened them with I was going to do it. And I remember my mother came into my room and she sat down and she proceeded to tell me a little story that I wasn't even vaguely familiar with. I had never heard it before in my life. When her and my dad were married, they decided that they would like to have children two years apart. And so I was born and I was supposed to have a either brother or sister two years later but she had a miscarriage and lost the baby. Well, I didn't know what a miscarriage was, but I knew losing a baby, how that affected my mother because all of a sudden she started crying, sitting on my bed and she wept bitterly. And I didn't know what to do and I didn't know what to say. And I think I kind of put my arm around her and said, don't cry mama. And I didn't run away that day. She would take us everywhere and never complain and never think that she'd rather be doing something else than to taxi her kids around. She made us dinner every night, lunch every afternoon, always kept the house clean. She was a disciplinarian, and she was the person that you could tell your problems to. She was there if you got hurt, and she left you alone if you didn't want her. I can never remember her fighting my battles for me. She allowed me to fight my own battles, except one time. I was walking home from the store, and I always wore this navy blue baseball cap. I was probably about 12 years old at the time. And out of nowhere, there were two older boys. They were both much larger than me. And they stopped me, and they started kind of, well, what you got? You got any money? Got any gum? What's this? What's that? And the next thing I know, they had my ball cap. This ball cap was one of my most prized possessions. I wore it everywhere. Whenever I went somewhere, the ball cap was on my head. The only place I did not wear it was in the house and at school. And so then all of a sudden it was a game of take away and you can't have it. I'd go up to one of them and they'd chuck it over to the other one. It kind of got a little rough and finally I broke into tears Then the fight was on, and through the scuffle, my baseball cap ripped right in half. And I cried, and I went home, and I must have been inconsolable. And next thing I know, my mom called those boys, Mom. I think those guys have held that against me all my life, and I really wished my mother wouldn't have done that, but I never had a problem with them ever again. The only time my mother fought my battle for me. I think she saw that I fought as hard as I could and I lost. And I lost a precious thing to me. And it hurt me down into my very being so much that it brought up something in her that she had to protect me. Now I know she always had my back. And part of her great, deep, fierce love for me was to let me fight my own battles and grow up without being attached to her apron strings but that was the one time that i don't think she could just sit on the sidelines and watch her little boy become broken and lost as i grew older and i started going out with girls and going out with friends and coming home later i remember when i would get home my dad would always be in bed already but mom was waiting for me and it wasn't check on my curfew although if I was late I would be reminded of that and we talk about that but she generally interested in what I had to do who I was with did I like that person did I like that girl was this guy a good friend she would ask questions and we would sit and talk sometimes for an hour hour and a half after I got home I never felt threatened by our conversation because it was conversation and not an inquisition. And it always made me feel like there was somebody there that I could talk to if I had to talk to somebody. Unlike my dad, who was very intimidating as far as approaching with any sort of questions or problems at all for me. Maybe that was just me. Maybe that was a little bit of me and him. But my mom was always there, standing on the sidelines, cheering me on, waiting for me even if it was till 2 o'clock in the morning, with a smile on her face and a warm greeting when I got home. As well as I got and everything, it was not because of her. That's all on me. I had something inside me that I had to prove to myself and nobody else on earth. And as hard as it knocked me down, mom was there for me. There's a lot of times in my life I showed her no respect. I showed her little regard. And I know she just wanted that to be like when I was small. And would say, Mom, give me your hand. Don't leave me. I know we all must grow up. And we all must leave our mothers. But never in my heart. Never, ever in my heart. In 1992, my mom had a serious stroke. She had talked to me on the night before by phone. They had found a lump on her breast or some something, and she needed to have radiation. And the next day was supposed to be radiation, and she was very apprehensive about that. And I told her that it would be okay and no big deal, Mom. It's fine. Just follow what they say to do. And if I have my story straight as far as the timeline, the next day when they got home, they were getting out of the car. And as she stood up, she collapsed. And it was just my dad and her and my dad, of course, they are older then. And I don't think he really knew how to handle it or what to do. Somehow, I believe, he either called my Aunt Betty or my Aunt Donna for help. We rushed to Denver, which was a 10-hour drive from where we live in Kansas City. The next morning we talked to the doctor and he uh he showed us a cat scan of her of her brain and there's this dark part of her her brain there and then there was this white part there was about three quarters of it and he said the light part is dead so any activity is this dark part here but she survived the stroke and i Think she'll live as long as we don't have any more complications or another stroke for about another four years. And I said, how can how can you predict four years? How how can you? So he gave me a bunch of cases and stuff that he based his timeline on. My dad and I went up to uh, to his home about an hour and a half away from Denver up to the little town I was raised in. And we got some of his belongings. I mowed the yard for him. And then we went back to Denver. And I said, stop for a minute. And I stopped at a radio shack. And I bought a little Walkman-type device along with a little speaker you plugged, like, I guess, with a mini jack, as Little Bitty Pillow Speaker is called. I'm amazed they even had that technology back then. And I put some Bible scriptures from a cassette tape in that walkman and put it by her pillow for her to hear i don't care if she's conscious or not i know she heard him we stayed there for a few days my brothers and my sister and all of our families got dad situated in a some kind of an apartment that the hospital provides for family members something finally i had to go back to work and i remember driving driving off my girls and my wife and i waving to my dad that was the last time i ever saw him alive he tried to take care of mom as she recovered enough to go back home instead of putting her into a nursing home or anything and it ended up killing him i think that is an admirable way to go About four years later, I got a call from my sister-in-law saying, your mom's Don, you need to come. <laughs> you need to come say goodbye to her. So my brother Don drove from Alabama and stopped and picked me up and we drove out to Western Colorado To a town next to where my brother John and his family lived. Where my mom was in a nursing home then. And I walked in to see mom and I knew she was dying because. (sighs) She wasn't wearing her glasses. Sat with her for a while. Don and I both had to get home. It was a long, old drive. And I said goodbye to my mother for the last time.